0: The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So this morning I thought uh, for the uh, Dhamma talk this morning would focus on Lawrence uh, Palo Meal's life, or Pra Palo, as he was known before. Uh, he disrobed. How many people here actually met him or heard teachings from him? Did many people, if you put your hands up? There's a few here. That's very good. And the next question, how many people have read some of his books? Lots. (laughs) Same here, actually. Same here, because I actually met uh, Lawrence in 1984, so quite a long time ago, but it was in Western Australia and he'd just come for a retreat and I didn't go on the retreat <laughs> so I didn't really get the opportunity to know him and it's only in recent years that I visited him when he was in the aged care home over in uh, I think called uh, Clarinda that area Clarinda and uh, I visited him in 2018 and also just shortly before he passed away which was the Friday the 2nd of July it was the day I visited him and he passed away on the 5th of July at 2.45 in the morning. So my association is not great with uh, Lawrence through personal contact, but through the books, yes, because <laughs> a few of his books are, are favourites of my, mine that uh, I've had uh, got a lot of value out of and it's helped my practice and it's helped actually develop more faith. And I particularly think of the book, uh, I think many people know Buddha, Buddha, My Refuge, Buddha, My Refuge, fantastic book, it's really lovely. It's got the qualities of the Buddha, which we just chanted, and it's got passages from the suttas that uh, reinforce it, bring up that quality, sometimes from different angles. So it's really, it's a lovely book. But um, so I thought today to dedicate the talk to talking about Lawrence and also to link it with a very important concept uh, in Buddhism, which is spiritual friendship or spiritual friend. And this is uh, Kalyana Kalyanamitta. And that's uh, that's something that obviously for many of Lawrence's students, he was a Kalyanamitta, a spiritual friend, a spiritual guide over the years. So I think this is quite an appropriate subject uh, and also, of course of course, with the uh, when anyone passes away, we're getting a teaching uh, on impermanence. This is why a Buddha arises in the world. The Buddha said, if there were no birth or rebirth, you could call it uh, aging and death, a Buddha would not arise. <laughs> and so this is a constant reminder of impermanence as well, so even though Lawrence has passed away, he's teaching us now <laughs> about impermanence for sure. And his teachings will continue too because those books, many of them I know, are still in print. Because I spent many years in Sri Lanka, about 14 almost, and uh, quite, I had quite a lot of association with the Buddhist Publication Society in Kandy. And they still have his books, all his books that they, they publish are still in print, still available. It's wonderful, you know, that, that, that they're still there. And also it points to the fact, doesn't it, that people find it useful <laughs> and uh, they find it meaningful and helpful with their practice. So I just thought to begin with uh, just to mention that too, that when Lawrence passed away, I heard that he passed away peacefully and consciously, which is great. When I saw him uh, three days before he died, he was, he was very peaceful then too. And uh, when I visited him, we would, I did some chanting, and in between the chants I would talk to him and then continue with the next chant, hoping that he could be aware of it. We weren't sure whether he, could, he was conscious of it or not. He could be taking it in, and uh, he did look very peaceful Uh, when uh, I was doing the chanting and talking to him. Because at that point of death, we're really letting go in a big way, aren't we? (laughs) In a very big way. So it's an opportunity for us and for the person who's passing away, actually, to take the practice further. And I was encouraging uh, Lawrence because he knew Pali and perhaps this Pali that he was hearing and the chanting would be very meaningful to him and encouraging him towards not taking rebirth, if possible. Of course, it really depends on one's development, what one sees, uh, what one has seen in one's life. But death is a is a time when there can be a breakthrough, for sure, because we have to let go of everything, <laughs> the body, all our attachments. So... As um, Indira mentioned, uh, that uh, Lawrence was really one of the founders of Australian Buddhism. Actually, one of the very important figures uh, in Australian Buddhism, and uh, so it's uh, very fitting that we we uh, think about him today. We focus on his life today because it brings up how we how do we pay respects uh, to our Dhamma teachers, but also, you know, to anybody that's passing away, really. It's it's very similar in some respects. Firstly, the most important thing, of course, when uh, someone's passed away, we pay respects by remembering them and remembering <laughs> their contribution to our lives or to the bigger picture. And Lawrence definitely made a contribution to the bigger picture of Buddhism. Of course, that's <laughs> that's not very big in Australia because it's not a Buddhist country but so remembering a person uh, is a very important aspect of it and for a teacher particularly remembering and this is the same for the Buddha's teaching remembering what they taught (laughs) and also the example they gave of how to put that teaching into practice because this is the, the, the real um, value of teachers is you see the lived example. You can read the books <laughs> and we can know the theory. But when you see it, a role model, it ha- makes it very different for us. So it's, a, it's a, an important thing to come in contact with a teacher that we really connect with. And you know, we won't always connect <laughs> with all the teachers, that's for sure. But some of them we will, and it's that connection that really makes a person what we call a spiritual friend or a spiritual guide because they've actually taken us, they've allowed us, been enabled us to go deeper into the Dhamma than we would have without that person. And it's very strange for me. I've, you can hear teachings from a number of different teachers, no difference, it doesn't matter. And then you hear it from another teacher, wow, and it really hits home, and it really goes deep. You could say that's repetition, but I think there's also a link for for us, and we connect with uh, different teachers. But of course, and um, I mentioned Lawrence is still teaching us anyway through his books. (laughs) So this is uh, what Lawrence provided, actually, is this sort of connection. And of course, the the Buddha mentions very specifically, before he passed away into Parinibbana, he mentions how we, we pay respects to the Buddha, to any spiritual teacher really. And that is, he says, not, not through, he didn't say candles, they weren't using candles at that time, it was more like oil lamps, <laughs> not through oil lamps and uh, incense and flowers, which were evidently very abundant as he was passing away. He um, was very obvious. And, but he said, we, uh, we actually pay respect, we pay honour to the Buddha, to any teacher, by practising what they taught, practising the path of, of the Noble Eightfold Path. And in particular, at that time, he was talking about the four uh, focuses of mindfulness, satipatthana, he was mentioning that, so this is how we pay respects, and this is how we pay respects to Lawrence too. Really, is by putting into practice what we learnt from him, um, and this is the other aspect of how we uh, honour, pay respects to our teachers, our Dhamma teachers, our friends who have passed away as well. Is through the thanks and the gratitude that we feel for what they've given us. You know their contribution, their import that's made a difference to our understanding of the world and ourselves and that feeling of developing developing the path developing good qualities uh, which will make our life um, much more pleasant but also life of others and also we can take it with us because at the end of the day we all know this developing the body is a waste (laughs) most people are doing that aren't they Because no matter how good, how strong, how beautiful it is, it eventually won't be. (laughs) We can't take the body with us. And that's a a teaching, really, that. What can we take with us? What will we take with us, as we say in Buddhism, is usually the mind. It's moving on all the time, changing. It's not a static thing. But that's what we'll take with us. So this is where the real work happens. This is where... You know, we can change the way we see the world. Because the worlds that we experience, it's very obvious to everybody. Where is it coming from? Inside. (laughs) It's coming from the inside out. We know people who are feeling utterly depressed. What does the world look like? It looks dull. It looks gray. It looked maybe threatening. There's a lot of fearful uh, qualities to it. So the experience we have the mind of the world is coming from our minds and from our hearts. So this is the work of the Buddha's teaching. And this is the, the work that Lawrence and all Dhamma teachers would be encouraging. So now I thought to, uh, to show some slides. Actually, I wonder if I just so people who haven't. ah, uh, uh, oh, isn't that nice? That's lovely. Uh, and Can I change them this way? Oh, all right. So that would be easy then, will not it? So isn't that a nice picture of Lawrence? This is in his last days, uh, last year, sorry, not last days. In 2017, I think we thought. It's very hard to say. There's no dates on the photos and so on. But I've, it's a lovely photo because it's very engaging. And you see um, Lawrence looking looking at us with the, the look of a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> just looking through us sometimes. I should imagine actually, and you see that his life was a long life, really, eighty-eight years, nearly eighty-nine. It would have been eighty-nine this year if he made it to November. So that's a lovely picture. And this, I think, was at one of the birthday parties. This is where most of the pictures were taken. And so this is a and it's a real a lesson in impermanence. And you see, Lawrence. When I think this is from Thailand, actually. He looked so young, and he was always very skinny, I think, but he looked so young because Lawrence, uh, uh, first of all, he met Buddhism through books <laughs> um, when he, was, he uh, was called up for the English army, I believe, and he read these books on Buddhism and obviously it went straight to the heart, maybe a past life, and he wanted to ordain, and so in 1961 he ordained I think in England at that time, and then he went to India. Gary will probably know more of this. And uh, in India, he probably took his higher ordination uh, and was there in India for some time. After India, a few years there, he went to um, Thailand. And in 1966, he took another ordination, reordained, we call it in the Thai tradition. And this is what he looked like, I think, at that stage, Maybe, maybe even the 60s could be looks very looks very young doesn't he? baby-faced and uh, so that's the period of uh, uh, of uh, lawrence being in uh, then he was prakanti palo being in thailand having ordained and uh, he was writing some of his things even then i think and had visit i don't know when he visited sri lanka but he did visit Sri Lanka, the Buddhist Publication Society in Kandy as well. But in 1973, he came to Australia and uh, he was invited to help establish a centre in Sydney. It looks like instead of establishing that centre, he went <laughs> established Wat Buddha Dhamma, which if you know anything about Wat Buddha Dhamma, is about three hours from Sydney and it's in quite a remote area in the National Park. And of course, he co-founded it with Ayakima. Whom he had met when he came to Australia, and I've seen photos of them uh, in 1973 when he I think it was 73 when he did a retreat at I uh, then uh, Le- Elsa Elsa uh, Liebman's uh, property in I think Northern New South Wales, and he did a conducted a retreat there, and it's very nice. You can see some of the people from here even in the retreat. <laughs> I don't know. If people know Liz Cook. She was in that photo. She was there. But he started. They started together. At Wat Buddha Dhamma, and were teaching together as well. And this is the hall that uh, Prakanti Palo uh, was instrumental in designing. I suspect, and also helping with the uh, uh, the uh, landscaping around it. And it is one of the most beautiful buildings in the world. <laughs> it's just absolutely. Uh, when I went to visit, I thought, wow, this is World Heritage Listing <laughs> quality. It's just so perfect. And what, uh, what a relief they didn't burn down in 2019. Wasn't it 2019, the end of 2019, when Buddha Dhamma uh, burnt? But they also they uh, water-bombed all around the meditation hall. They saved it. And they, only, they did lose Ayakima's Kuti, which was lovely too. It was built on a rock. And uh, another, another hut as well. So it's a beautiful building. And you can see the lines. So this is, what year was that, Gary? The building of this this new style of meditation hall. 80s, wasn't it? I think 80s. Inside, isn't that beautiful? That's just fantastic. It's really, when you go there, it's even nicer to be there, actually. Beautiful. And you've got this little... Uh, Chaitya uh, stupa at the, at the top, very beautiful. And this is the garden that he designed outside it, the Zen garden. It's landscaped sort of around it, but this is the main feature with this unusual modern uh, stupa at the end of it, uh, like a river course, you'd say, a dry riverbed. So beautiful. Because uh, Prak Antipalo, as Lawrence Mills, he was uh, he trained as a horticulturalist. So his interest is in plants and trees and things like that. And he had that obviously a very artistic quality too. a lot of his work, particularly the poet poet uh, the translations of poetry, very, very poetic and artistic. And there we are, there's Ayakima and the uh, Prak Antipalo as he was in the mid-80s. So really he he was the one that encouraged Ayakima to practice the path, and eventually ordain in the late 70s, I think, I ordained. And this is another photo of him at what Buddha Dhamma, looking quite young, <laughs> a little bit older, but quite young still, always thin. And I, This is very nice. Thank you very much, Helen, for the poster. I don't know if you, you can't see the details, but it's a meditation retreat. Guess where? here at the BSV. I thought it said 1980, but it says April 1990. And the thing that struck me about it, if you, if you can read the text, you know, it gives a little blurb about uh, Prakanti Palo and then he's doing the, the retreat details, public talks, and so on. It reminded me of Ajahn Brahm. <laughs> I thought the names have changed, but the same format. You know, it reminds me of impermanence, change. And that all of us, you know, myself included, one day, they'll say, who was that person? Ajahnar Sarano, you know. Oh, he gave her a retreat." Oh, <laughs> like we're saying about uh, Prahkhandi Palo. And that's the nature of, of Dhamma, in a way, that we reflect on the impersonal nature of our lives. So, this, And the contribution that he made, too, wonderful there. That's great. And this was, of course, at the old uh, Buddhist center in Mary Street in Richmond, you can see a lovely photo from the newspaper, and it says, uh, if you can read it, a growing kind of peacefulness. looks lovely, doesn't it? And I think his, he, there was a hut in the back of Mary Street uh, where he used to stay, and I came and stayed there too, actually. And that's a very nice photo if you can see the cat. Can you see the cat? It's rather lovely. Nice. Uh, that was at Richmond again in the 80s. And then after the 80s, in 92, uh, Lawrence disrobed. And this is a photo from after 1992. And this is actually a period that I met, I I forgot, I met him here in Melbourne in about 93 or 94, looking like this. And I was very interested to meet him because I knew he disrobed. I thought, I wonder why he disrobed. I thought, well, go and go to the talk and maybe I'll understand. I had heard some reasons for it. But uh, when I went to the talk at Kagyu Ivam Centre in North Carlton, the talk he gave was on the six elements. And it was just like Theravada and Dhamma. It was really very much what he'd, he knew and what he'd understood, actually. It was a lovely talk. But he looked very much like this jeans and the hair and everything. I thought, wow. But I came away not knowing why he had disrobed you know, any more information about it. But I think the reason for that disrobel was twofold, that he'd met a very important spiritual friend. And this was this Tibetan t- uh, lay teacher, uh, Namkai Norbu Rinpoche, who is a Tibetan, who was a Tibetan a lay person who lived in Italy. He was an ac- actually an academic. And uh, he had met him. Um, some of the people that were living at the Wapada at the time had experienced such great benefit from retreats with this Rinpoche that uh, Lawrence became interested, and the connection, very strong. And so that was part of the reason, I gather, for his disrobel. Um, uh, I think Gary is described as the heart guru. <laughs> but it is that sense of connection. It can be very strong. And that's the spiritual uh, friend or spiritual guide can take us further on the path. So that, that was in 1992 that uh, Lawrence disrobed. And then this is the next phase of his life, which started in, uh, it says 2012, um, because his health was failing. And uh, Gary was one of the, as Indira mentioned, there were quite a few past students who were giving support and care, which is wonderful. It's a sign of, uh, definitely a sign of gratitude for a teacher when the students remember the uh, teacher and give that practical support. And, of course, the body and the mind, or the body and the brain really, not the mind, age. And uh, so as uh, Lawrence was ageing, He needed more and more care, and he went into this Clorinda age care home. And this is where I met him actually at uh, Clorinda. And uh, he was not speaking at that stage, um, but he was very had this lovely quality of uh, we say equanimity, you know, peacefulness, contentment. Um, So but you can see from this photo quite I think this is at Clorinda, I think it is. Um, very, uh, very, at, very at peace, which is wonderful to see. Because you would expect, if you, if you cultivate, whatever you cultivate in your life, it will become the quality, the habit, that, uh, the, the tendency for us to uh, experience those states. So if you've developed lots of positive qualities, that's what will um, be there as we age. And this is, uh, I like this photo because it's a group photo. It's not such a good one of Lawrence, <laughs> but it's a nice photo. of You can see uh, Gary, uh, you can see uh, Michael, and you see Helen and Gary there. And there's Jane on the right, is that correct? Yeah, Jane. And I don't know the other people so well, but former students as well. So that's lovely. And that was his 84th birthday in, I don't know, 84th would have been and. 17 or 18, eight, 16, was it? Say Oh, uh, right. Yeah. And then I thought to have a photo of him with Chi Kwang. She was also somebody who supported him. She um, knew uh, Lawrence, or he was Prakanti Palo when uh, the uh, Wapuddha Dhamma was founded. She was one of the founding people, in fact, Venmo uh, Chikwang Sunim. And it's quite interesting that another person who some of you may know, Venmo most some people know of Ajanyanadhamma, an Australian monk from Adelaide who lives in Thailand. Ayakima used to call him the Blonde Thai. <laughs> she referred to him. And uh, he also was at Wat Buddha Dhamma. So when Lawrence was uh, in the aged care home, he came and visited actually, and also you know who else came to visit him? Ajahn Sumedho from England. He was staying in Warburton, the uh, monastery in Warburton, and he came to visit. And it just shows the regard for him. And of course, Ajahn Sumedho knew him probably when he was in Thailand. Uh, living in Thailand, and they would have... I think, in fact, he might have even translated for Ajahn Sumedha or something in the early days or something like that. They had a connection anyway. So that's friend Chi Kwang. People will know her. She gives the teaching usually at the end of each month here. And who is that? <laughs> Isn't that lovely? That's nice. And with a bow tie. It's very, very special. So it looks great. So... I think that's the last one, actually, I think. So it gives you, you know, a snapshot of um, Lawrence's life. You know, probably there's a lot of detail that one could mention um, that I haven't. Uh, But uh, one thing I should, yes, it's in the uh, information too that I think uh, Helen provided for the uh, email, the weekly email, that he encouraged the ordination of women. And that's pretty obvious because he encouraged Ayakema to ordain. But uh, it says here that as early as 1984, he ordained three nuns at Wat Buddha Dhamma. So amazing. And I'd encourage people too, who don't know his books to have a look at those books, because there are, there is uh, the ones I mentioned, actually, Buddha, My Refuge. One of my favorites, too, is The Splendour of Enlightenment. The splendor of Enlightenment, it's a beautiful two volumes, collection of passages from the Buddha's teachings. So, and, and uh, oh, I didn't mention too that Lawrence had ordained uh, later in his life, just before he went into uh, at the aged care home, he ordained at Quan Ming Temple in Braybrook which is where the funeral will be uh, tomorrow. So it's very appropriate, in a sense, that the funeral is there. And obviously, uh, Venerable Phok Tan, the chief monk there, he knows Lawrence from from that occasion, but also from Sydney, I heard, when he uh, heard Lawrence as Prakanti Palo give some teachings in Sydney. So I'd like to now just to... Uh, give you that sort of gives some feeling for Lawrence but I thought it'd be nice to invite Gary to who knew Lawrence from 1984 uh, to give a little you know five or ten minute um, uh, uh, picture or vignette of Lawrence you know of his character and why so many students were attracted to him that's part of character isn't it usually <laughs> so you Gary, would you like to come over so you can be in the camera? And, and there, it's almost time. Wow, that went fast. <laughs> I wasn't I was going to talk a lot more, actually. But is it easy in the picture? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh,
1: that's yeah, thanks, uh, Bunte. Um, uh, and on the the topic of kalyana Metta or spiritual friend, uh, Lawrence actually wrote a biography of a couple of years of his life because he had such a big life that he'd probably need about 10 volumes. Yeah. But in any case, I met, as you mentioned, in 1984 at the Buddhist summer school in Melbourne University, which I think quite a few people here may have been. Um, and... Uh, He did change my life uh, for the better from the moment that I started to attend his teachings and in particular his meditation instruction. Um, On first meeting, he was quite an imposing figure. Is this volume okay? Um, He was six foot two tall and totally bald of course. And uh, some people may have felt intimidated but you know, um, a lot of people felt his kind-heartedness and his uh, loving-kindness. He taught meditation. Um, you could feel less in his instruction. For example, uh, sometimes he would move around the room just to gently adjust people's posture if they had a bent back and were unaware of it. And, you know, sometimes he just touch your in the small of the back if you weren't quite straight. And that's, of course, very helpful. And it comes from the good heart. Um, And also had a great sense of humour. This uh, saw him through most things, even into the nursing home. Uh, And speaking of the nursing home, I was quite touched to hear that um, several staff were saying, you know, this is my favourite patient and they were in tears when he passed and was very ill. And uh, I think his sense of equanimity and the fact that he was bearing up and bearing witness to what he was undergoing, was uh, self-evident, and the lovely smile that he showed, even though he'd been wheelchair-bound for quite a few years. So he guided the meditation from the good heart, as I was saying, and even if someone's got that, uh, they can admonish others, and other people don't take that to heart. because it's coming from such a good place. But he could be quite fierce. I think some people got turned off when he manifested that sort of thing. But if we look at his wisdom and compassion, and uh, certainly if you look at the parameters, he, he had many of them, or all of them, you know, but some stand out with the wisdom and compassion. But his determination to... He was a very determined person, and of course you wouldn't wander the jungles of Thailand in caves with all the snakes, scorpions, centipedes, rats and everything, unless you had that determination to see it out. And that was part of his life. Um, As we all know, Lawrence, uh, being such a strong, determined individual, um, created some controversy in, in Dharma circles at times, but he has that in common with our spiritual director here, Ajahn Brahm, as we all know also. Um, also, Ajahn Brahm has few extra things in common, aside from what Bhante was saying, um, because both uh, practitioners and monks have kept their equanimity amidst the eight worldly winds. And I think most people know that Lawrence um, uh know the eight worldly winds that Lawrence often referred to in his Dharma Destiners. Uh, and the two in particular I'm thinking of, the praise and blame, of course, any public figure like Ajahn Brahm or, or Lawrence uh, gets a fair bit of that. But the tribute to both of them, of course, is that they kept their equanimity despite it all. Um, and Lawrence certainly walked the talk. So he he was very inspiring. Um, and he was like the battle elephant that allows arrows to reflect off its hard hide. He, he was a sensitive person, no doubt, but that means also he had the strength of his Dharma practice to support him when he knew what he was doing was right, just like Ajahn Brahm, uh, you know, in a similar way as we all know. Um, and when he was wheelchair bound for those years I mentioned, uh, he, uh, he had a favourite word as he lost his oh, speech. And this word manifested uh, at times when we were doing chanting uh, or when some deep sacred or spiritual moment arose, uh, he would just say "Shine," and he would smile and he'd obviously every time he said that, had a lot of joy uh, and uh, it's almost like uh, you know the inner uh, bright light of uh, sacredness that we all share was was being exemplified by that when he did. Uh, it would indeed be a, a poor show that if out of lack of common decency a teacher of love and kindness were to be <laughs> wrung out like a, a dirty used dishcloth that they use by date and cast in a bin but fortunately this did not happen and you, uh, lawrence had the support of a joint effort right to the end of the sangha the lay people and also not forgetting the care attendant staff and nurses at Embracia and Clorinda and uh, just speaking of that, Cece is one of our uh, uh, people who attends this temple and she was very uh, of course uh, helpful because as a nurse at Clorinda she could facilitate many things and once again that sort of landed in Lawrence's lap and uh, similarly when we first chose the two, one of two rooms that were offered at Clorinda um, they said, you can have this room, and that, and normally uh, a room is uh, you know totally devoid of the previous occupant's possessions, but lo and behold, one of the two rooms had an authentic temple painting from the Mayana tradition, I suppose, with an authentic stamp on, and it was of three body sattvas. So needless to say, we knew which room Lawrence should have. Um, so much like he was waiting for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh, so, he uh, led some retreats specifically on the topic uh, of loving-kindness for the whole retreat. His lifestyle, like all renunciant sangha, was austere, austere as we know, living, as I mentioned, uh, in uh, Thailand and later on at a Dharma in uh, the bush, but, which he loved. Uh, and uh, his qualities of aditana and upeka inspired others on the retreats he led. When when he sat with us during retreats, and, you know, if it was a 10-day retreat, he'd sit mostly all the sessions, um, aside from interviews. So he really walked the talk, which was inspiring. However, unlike most of the participants, uh, once... We went back to the comfort of our central heating after 10 days. He just went 24-7, segued into his solid formal practice in his cootie. And I noticed we'd sit around having a bit of a Sampapalapa straight after a retreat. <laughs> and uh, Lawrence would be there, you know, to be people personally, he'd be there maybe 20 minutes or something after yeah. the retreat. And then he would suddenly oh, look around and he'd gone back to meditate, presumably into his yeah. practice, while others stayed all afternoon sort of uh, debriefing or whatever they... So um, that was also uh, even when people were offered uh, lollies uh, in the evening in a circle of meditation and the lollies would go around <laughs> once, he'd take one, and the second time around people were getting a little bit, this is really yummy, and he'd just say, oh, one's enough. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, he was very um, uh, renunciant in his attitude. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, I am not sure how many minutes that is so far. Yeah, that's
0: about eight minutes.
1: Oh, that's okay. Well, I'll enough. just finish off by saying yeah. that uh, yeah. a well-known um, Bhikkhu here, Arya Sela uh, has said in his Dharma talk, it's not what happens to us, but our attitude to what happens. And, you know, uh, Lawrence had a life that was well-lived because all through right to the end, including the period when he had to uh, be wheelchair-bound, he he showed that he could work with the conditions. In fact, uh, when he was at my place, I said once, oh, whatever it was, whether we couldn't get a bus or something, I said, oh, we'll just have to work with circumstance, Lawrence. And he said, oh, well, what else could you work with? <laughs> and that was after his diagnosis of vascular dementia. So he clearly had a lot of clarity despite uh, that progression. Um, Lawrence gave his students in far north Queensland's uh, Queensland uh, Pali uh, dharma names just so that when they took refuge they would have uh, something to remind them. And so aware of this, I uh, I wasn't in Queensland, but I contacted him and he, he kindly offered me the name Sadawanta. Uh, but of course we know Lawrence's uh, uh, master, Professor Chogyal Naum Norbu Rinpoche, his heart guru, he said... Uh, some students come to me and they say, Huh, oh, I'm not George anymore, I'm Doge. And he said, uh, but really, they, if they don't change their habits, it's still George. So we have to be aware <laughs> of that That's sort crazy. of That's trap crazy. that people can fall into. Um, so uh, in conclusion, uh, I'd like to say that anyone here who wishes to attend the funeral ceremony at the Min Temple
0: is going do and do an ad for that in a minute. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, if you want to I'll do, do that, I'll leave that yeah. to you.
1: You're all, all right. welcome. There's plenty of yeah. space. It'll be a wonderful opportunity yeah. uh, to show some uh, final respect. Uh, so I'll uh, yeah. pass over. Well, to you.
0: thank you very much, Gary. Thank you for that. That really fills in quite a bit and gives you gives us a bigger picture. I must admit, the first time I met Prakanti Palu in 1984, I found him rather imposing. <laughs> Somebody just asked him something. That was a bit silly, and he he, he replied with quite he was quite sharp at his reply. And I thought, oh, he doesn't suffer fools. <laughs> That's what I thought at the time. I'm like, oh, so I kept away. <laughs> so, so this is a very good that we reflect on. You know, the life of someone like Lawrence and. Uh, that the spiritual friendship that he offered to so many and the spiritual friendship that drove him to change from one tradition to another. And I didn't mention that after he uh, met uh, the uh, Nam, Namkai Norbu Rinpoche, he actually started a centre in, in Cairns, in Queensland, called the Bodhicitta Centre, and also got married at that stage as well. So he, you know, he was obviously teaching in uh, sort of a number of different traditions, not just the uh, t- Tibetan tradition or the Dzogchen tradition, but also in Theravada and so on. So I'd like to uh, finish off because we can uh, just to mention too that this spiritual friendship is actually so important that the Buddha said to Ven. Ananda, when his attendant Ven. Ananda said, "It's half the holy life." Our Venerable Sir, this spiritual friendship. And the Buddha said, no, it's not half. It's, ev- it's all. <laughs> it's 100%. It's everything. So it's so important. And people sometimes wonder why that is. Because the spiritual friend, as I says, opens up things for us, can give us that connection to a deeper level of understanding the Dhamma, of understanding reality. And also, you find that these teachers, their students become... Like their teachers. They take on a lot of their qualities. And I can certainly <laughs> see that with Ajahn Brahm being my teacher. I have taken on a lot of the qualities and a lot of the views and uh, at the directions in Dhamma that he has. So, this spiritual friendship is very, very important. We are conditioned. Uh, this body and mind is a conditioned phenomena. People think we, you know, we sort of influence how the body and the mind is. Fashion drives a lot of how the body looks. <laughs> and the mind is, is driven by so many influences from our parents, from, from uh, school, from our friends, from the internet. All these things are shaping our minds for better or for worse actually sometimes. We have to, as it were, focus towards the better if possible. And so I'd like to finish off because now is 1030 and uh, just we uh, dedicate the merit to of today's talk, and then open up for questions. But beforehand, I was just going to do the ad about the funeral tomorrow, which I hope to attend. I'm going for a procedure first, but uh, um, I like I will be there. I hope at 12:45 the funeral is going to be um, at the Kuan Min Temple in Braybrook. Um, in the west side of uh, um, Melbourne and this of course is Mineral Tan's temple. It's a very impressive temple. I've never been there actually and the funeral, if you um, if you google it as we do, uh, you can see Kuang Min Temple Q-U-A-N-G uh, and then Min M-I-N-H so it'll be tomorrow, it'll be Uh, There's going to be a dana offering to the monks and nuns at eleven, but at twelve forty-five, quarter to one, it'll start. And I like the. I read this in the email, the weekly email. It says Lawrence indicated his preference that attendees not dress in sombre-hued clothing at funerals, because I know, isn't there the tendency everybody wears black? You know, I have seen that, and that's the. He said, don't, don't, please don't. (laughs) So there are more, de- more details on the Facebook page, Lawrence Mills' Facebook page. I don't think he ever, did he ever see it, the Facebook page? I don't know. Yes, that's a good point. And there will, this funeral will be live streamed and you'll hear a lot more detail of, uh, from Helen's going to speak and I think Michael you're going to speak too.
1: Just briefly, in regard to the live stream, I just got the uh, the link this morning. Quamin um, usually streams on Zoom, but they've set up a, a YouTube link, so oh, I'll, I'll okay. put that. We'll put that up on the Facebook page, but also um, see if I can mail it out through BSC.
0: Thank you, thank you for that, Michael. And we'll just conclude before the dedication of merit. It's a very important part of any uh, memorial uh, um, uh, ceremony or memorial. Uh, uh, occasion is to ask forgiveness because this is a, a very important part of... Monks do it all the time, actually. Whenever we part from each other for a lengthy period in the Thai tradition, we ask forgiveness for whatever we have done, said, uh, or they usually say even thought, but how would they know, uh, and to ask forgiveness for that, and then to give forgiveness. And this is a very important way of... Uh, finishing that unfinished business you know as much as possible letting go of any hurt that we have accumulated as we will through our lives realizing it's of no benefit to us (laughs) certainly no benefit to the other person as well this is part of looking after our minds and it's mental hygiene really so i would uh, first part of this is of course asking forgiveness and as I say, I'll speak the words so we can. Those who wish to keep it in mind, you can even close your eyes. Please forgive me for anything I did or said or failed to do or say that hurt you or upset you, whether I did them intentionally or unintentionally. So that's asking forgiveness from Lawrence for those who knew him and then giving forgiveness. This is very important. I forgive you for anything you did or said or failed to do or say that hurt me or upset me, whether you did them intentionally or unintentionally. Sadhu, sadhu. That's very good. So we wish Lawrence uh, that he... May you finish with being reborn and going through life after life. <laughs> but if you are reborn, Lawrence, may you have a good and happy rebirth. May you encounter the Dhamma and take the triple t- refuge in the triple gem. And so, Sādo, Lawrence, Sādo, Prakanti Palo too. All right, now just do the uh, verses of dedication and merit. And those that wish to, you're welcome to join in. we just do those quickly because we're five minutes late. cha amhehi punya Sambhe deva anamodantu, samba sambhati sindhya. Etta vatacha amhei, sambhatang punya sambhadang. samba sambhati sindhya. Etta vatacha sambhatang punya Sampadang Sam mesatta ano mo danto samba sambati sendiya idang menyanti nang honto suki ta honto idang menyanti nang honto suki ta honto idang nang hotu, Abide in well being, in freedom from affliction, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from anxiety, and may you maintain well being in yourself. Sadr, sadr, sadr. So thank you for that and for um, bearing with that. We were a little bit late, but I think we started a bit late. So if there are any comments or questions, you know, you have. uh, Helen, I can see, uh, probably got a comment to make. Lovely. Because when we have these... uh, You know, like when Gary uh, gave us uh, some information, gave his experience. It gives us more of a 3D picture of the person, really. It brings them alive. When we remember a person, it brings them alive, and especially these sorts of personal things, encounters, vignettes, stories. Thank you, Helen. Well, I just wanted to um, pay enormous respect to all the care and compassion that Gary and Michael gave to, to Lawrence over the last um, 10, 15 years. It, it really was remarkable to see this, mm-hmm. you know. The, the, um, they were going going to the home to be with Lawrence, to sit with him, to help him with his meals, to talk to him, you know, many days in the week. And it, it was it was lovely to see such love. Yeah, so, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's many anecdotes I could tell about the early days with... Um, with Lawrence, but perhaps keep those for tomorrow. But oh, I, right. I just yes. just wanted to say that Gary and Michael have How done much? a fantastic job, and I think Michael is the legal guardian, so yeah. there's a lot of work. Yes, no, that's wonderful. And that is, that's actually, when you say loving kindness, but it's also compassion in action, isn't it? Compassion, compassion I often think of as taking care, taking care of ourselves and others as well. So that's a wonderful thing, and it's a it's uh It's a measure of a teacher, isn't it, that all those after all those years and uh, you know many years of being in a very frail condition, that the students still look some of the students are still looking after them with such love and care. It's wonderful to see. I was even more amazed because some of the people who <laughs> visited Lawrence regularly, Gary told me this, they didn't even know Lawrence from from before. They weren't students. But they come once, a, you know, the one or two people come once a week, you know, to be with Lawrence. And yet they didn't, don't know him at all. And maybe it is because they feel that energy and the, that uh, also gratefulness, gratitude for someone who's given a big, big contribution to Buddhism. Not only in Australia, because I know somebody said to me, oh, people overseas are watching this, they won't know who Lawrence Mills is. <laughs> Lawrence Parlo Mills is. I said, no, because of the books, you know. He's reached many people all over the world, actually. So it's uh, fitting that we, you know, pay this tribute, we pay this respect uh, to Lawrence Parlo Mills. So thank you for that, Helen. And we look forward to more stories. This is the best part with the memorials, actually. Not all the details and the facts and so on. It's the stories that are much more interesting. And I enjoy so lovely so tomorrow there'll be opportunities for that and if you can't come, please watch the live streaming if you're interested thank you thank you for that. any other comments or questions online somebody saying who is Lawrence Park <laughs> Lawrence candy Barlow Mills? there is one thanks very much Serju thank you very much for organizing with the slides with the slides were done by um, photos were done by uh, Aya Santa, Santa, one of the nuns in uh, Newbury Buddhist Monastery, very good with this sort of thing. It was late yesterday afternoon, so she was really great.
1: Hi, Jung. There's just one question. It's a very interesting. One: uh, Does a spiritual friend
0: have to be a human? Can it be a pet, like a cat or a tree? Wow! <laughs> wow! That's really that's. Re- I, I've got I'd never thought of that. Actually, yes. <laughs> Yes, it's a quite an interesting question. I, I, I think, well, of course, you know, the way a spiritual friend is only is a spiritual friend because of the way we regard them, of the effect that it has on our mind, isn't it? Cause other people would have met Lawrence Mills, for instance, Lawrence or pa Candy Palo, and may have been, you know, put off, but you weren't. And there was this connection, and a lot of the connections actually coming from our side. We are actually in sync with them, so it's. I think it is quite possible that, because you see animals, and uh, maybe animals. This person thinking of (laughs) pets, and some of them are have very got very good qualities. You know, they're very patient, or dogs, for instance, incredibly loyal, and some of these qualities can affect our mind and uh, and bring uh, us and evoke those qualities in ourselves. Because that's what the spiritual friend does. It's not as if we don't have those qualities. It's just that it brings it up stronger for us, actually. And when we see somebody or a pet or an animal uh, that's got qualities, somehow we respond to that and it brings up similar qualities in us. So you could say that that they, they are like... Uh, I don't know if they're really Kalyanamittas, but they're really certainly helping us go deeper in understanding reality, understanding Dhamma. Yeah, so perhaps it's possible, yeah. it's Perhaps it's possible, yes. I mean, Garfield has really <laughs> transformed many people's lives. I don't know for the better, but at least they'll be happier or more more humor. So that's an interesting one. Never heard of that idea before. Usually it is a human being, actually. So let's... Uh, so we can finish off uh, for those who would like to paying respects to the Buddha Dhamma and Sangha. You're welcome to. We can do the arahang. Maybe if that's good for online. Oh.